Hello and welcome back to a, another edition of Kent and the Steering Team. Once again, you are joined by Drew and myself, Phil. Uh, unfortunately, Kent can't be with us today. Uh, he's decided to escape the cold of this cold, cold Sydney weather and uh, head on overseas. Uh, anyway, on with the show. Mr. Drew, how are you? I am quite well right now. I'm very excited after the mm. wonderful evening that has been. How are you? I've been quite swell as well. A little bit tired. I'm doing uh, some early shifts at work at the moment, the last week, and that will continue next week. But uh, good otherwise, I'm also in the best frame of mind at the moment, especially after the events of this evening in particular. So we better get into why we're in such a good mood. Ah, so. yes. So once again, uh, once again, that's that time of year for uh, Sydney people, well, rugby league fans, um, especially rugby league fans, when it's state of origin time. And that is, of course, if you're not familiar with it, when New South Wales and Queensland go head to head in a best of three um, game series. Uh, this week's, uh, or this, this is uh, game one of that three game series. Uh, for some reason, played in Victoria. So, you know, completely uh, neutral territory for both teams, except for the fact that Victoria is actually part of Queensland, it turns out. Um, and uh, so the game went on. New South Wales, for some reason, always ends up as favourites for the game. I have no idea why. We are massively outnumbered and outweighed by Queensland every single year. But anyway, New South Wales goes into the, the start of it as favourites. And... Uh, yeah, game one was quite impressive, was it not, Drew? Oh, to call it impressive would be an understatement. We knew going in that this was going to be a little bit of a different game, especially given what had um, what had transpired in the background over the last several months yes. with the shake-up of the Blues. We've got yep. a new coach. We've got a fresh young team. They've eleven scrapped, eleven rookies. Eleven rookies. Yeah, they have scrapped nearly the entire old guard. The only players that they really retained were ones that had made their origin debut in the last year or two, maybe. Correct. Yeah, yeah there's was, no one that's an old guard. Yeah, at all. I don't it, believe. Yeah, it was very rare. But what they did do was to take an old old guard and put him in coach. We have been very fortunate to get Freddie Fittler as our coach. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, so he's a, a a New South Wales immortal almost. He's um, oh yeah, such 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 a, a leading figure in New South Wales rugby league. He's he led us to several origins. So mm. to have him here now as our coach is excellent. He's kind of brought in a new kind of thinking to the game, um, new attitude. It's a lot more, in some ways, more casual, a little bit less uh, stressful. Um, a little bit more informal. So, yeah, it's good. So, really, really, really good uh, um, lead-up to the game for New South Wales. And, Drew, the result. The wonderful, wonderful result. New South Wales, 22. Queensland, 12. So, we win game one. So, we had... However, a couple of years... Uh, last year, in fact, we were up on game one. Game two, we were up significantly, and then we completely let that go and slip away in the last 20 minutes, and we lost the game and then ultimately lost the series in a complete landslide in game three. So, 
you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to win it, but it's a great start to see for a new coach and a new team to do such a, a great job. The game was very, very even, it has to be said. Yeah. Uh, momentum, there were enormous momentum swings both ways. Um, it almost felt like Queensland had more momentum, but New South Wales made the best of the opportunities they had slightly better, obviously by winning, but, but just through... It felt like they had less opportunities, but they um, delivered on those those opportunities a little bit better. I just liked the way we played. I yeah, really yeah, liked it was the way we played. Really solid defense. Really solid mm. defense. Um, despite the fact that it looked a little bit frenetic or or, or or just confusing or a little bit uh, messy at times, it was always about just. Just but you could feel the it, guy with the ball get him down. We had a cohesive team, and I th- I think Fitler's really driven the point home to bring it back to basics for New South Wales. Yeah, exactly. And, and we did we did see that. Um, yeah, I mean we had our superstars. We had uh, James Tedesco, our fullback, um, who also who ended took up being home. yeah man of the yeah match. man of the match, uh, and he. He had some unbelievable plays where he was able to find holes or, or gaps in the Queensland defensive line, break through it for some, you know, mm. that critical extra 10 metres of, of uh, clearance that we need just to get a little bit of breathing space, a little bit of, you know, as soon as you have a little bit of breathing space against your own defensive line, it means that you can, you know, you have a little bit more opportunity, you have, can be a little bit safer, you can be a little bit more um, adventurous with what you do. And, and he completely broke open Queensland's defensive line several times. In fact, I think we had four... Was it four line breaks? Just let me get the stats up. Um, I think so. Line breaks, five line breaks. Ooh. And I rec- I would say James Tedesco had like three or four of them. Yep. No. And, and I mean, he... Man of the match, for sure. He yep. got a try and he set up two tries. Especially so, after yeah. taking that hit and then still making it back onto the field. Yeah, so if you didn't see it, you didn't see the the um, highlights as well. There was there was one hit, uh, one one play which was fantastic, and that's when we actually the the scores were deadlocked at twelve all, um, and then James Tedesco found a no, sorry, that was the the wrong try. We were just ahead. We'd just yep. gotten ahead, yep. um, and within the space of I think it was the second set. Of New South Wales after that that try, so in pretty uh, fairly quick succession, we had the ball back. James Tedesco found an enormous hole in the Queensland line that no one else could see. Ran down the line, and he got not tackled but pinballed off of another Queensland player, uh, or off of a Queensland player. And when he did that, normally a player would be a bit disoriented or just fall down or just a bit, you know, a little bit frightened of what to do with the ball. But instead, James Tedesco decided to run it on while falling over, so stumbling. He threw the ball away, got it to a teammate who then offloaded it on to another player who's got who got the, the, the game ceiling try. Mm. So it was just that that sort of the fact that he kept with it despite the fact that he was on his way down, having just received a pretty sizable hit. We won't talk about the fact that the ball was forward. But uh yeah. Impressive stuff. Like it's it's great signs this game and what we've seen. It was just yeah, I I don't know. It was wonderful to see. It was wonderful to see these young players who were just given a chance to shine and they took, they literally took the ball and ran with it. They really did. It. I mean, yeah, look, I, look Nathan Cleary. 
Our number seven, yep. Son of legendary player Ivan Cleary, who is currently coaching West Tigers. Yep, who was at the game as well. He, he was indeed. Um, Dad was telling me before he um, he coached Tigers against um, Penrith a couple of weeks ago, so it was father versus son. Mm. No, on, on field decision maker versus off field decision maker. <laughs> and Panthers won. The son beat the father. <laughs> But, Sun was up. But yeah, what a hit he took from GI. Oh, he just got <laughs> dropped, dropped to the ground. Look, if you're brutal. not a big fan of if you're not a big fan of rugby league, I completely understand it. It isn't everyone's game. It can be a little bit slower, a little bit tedious, um, a little bit just kind of they, violent almost. Especially when they play uncontested scrums, the most pointless oh, what a, part of the what game a, these days. My dad was watching the game even just said, what the hell is that? Like, what a waste. Yeah. And it is a waste. Scrums are pointless. But uh, I can understand if it isn't your your everyday game. Uh, I have a cousin of mine up in Newcastle who actually put a status up on Facebook talking about that specifically, how they don't actually normally watch it, but State of Origin, they'll watch it because it's almost tradition. It's a little bit special. It It's the uh, atmosphere as well. Like, I've been to State of Origin games. I've been to Grand Finals. State of Origin is phenomenal because it's you versus you and the crowd um, and your team versus the other team. When it's your home game, it's just nothing beats the atmosphere. Nothing beats the passion of being there. Watching it on TV as well, same sort of thing. Like that, You're seeing an all-star team versus another all-star team. Like It's just to see the best players of the game playing. There's none of this idea of, oh, well, no, they don't fit within a salary cap. No, you can't have the best players are out there. It's awesome to see. So I, I suggest if you don't watch them, watch the set of Origin games because they're just like nothing else. It's a completely different experience. Exactly. There is a little bit, it's a little bit more intense as well. It's the most intense form of rugby league I think I've seen. I think it beats grand finals. It beats yep. uh, internationals. Yep. State of Origin is the hardest form of rugby league yeah i could not uh, agree more and it's great to watch i love it i love it it uh, is we might have we might have to go we'll have to try and work it out and see if we're able to go to game two if you wanted to go to ground two if you can you know stuff. i would love to go to game two assuming that um i am not committed to work that evening correct um yeah set of origin what's what's fantastic is so uh several years ago my club team uh, the Bulldogs were in the grand final mm. and we'd had the most sensational season we were minor premiers i.e. we we're, were undefeated for the year on points um, and we made it to the grand final and we had this star fullback that had just blown the competition socks off did an amazing job all year Ben Barber Oh, uh, wow. He did, yeah. So this is 2012. 2012. Yeah. When we got to the, when we got to the grand final, he choked. He didn't perform. He didn't fire. He was nervous. I he was frightened this. of it. Stressful. So he didn't really bring the firepower that we needed from him. So he didn't win the game. We lost mm. it. I was afraid that with New South Wales, a lot of that was going to happen with the eleven rookies that we had in this set of Origin game that they were going to get just blown away and you know completely dumbfounded or or, or just taken aback by the crowd and the way the intensity but none of them cracked they were all sharp and all on it no one made no one made mistakes they've had good guidance yeah 
In fact, the only person that made mistakes was um, our number six, or um, yeah. he, he, who who just cracked. James Maloney cracked a couple of times. Yeah. But one of the commentators said one of the best lines I've heard, which was, he is the worst memory of anyone. Reason being is that he made some critical errors. He threw a ball that got intercepted and it cost us a try. He made errors that cost us try or that cost us time and, and um, ground and everything like that. Um, yet, in the very next play, he'll happily either make the same decision or make a similar <laughs> decision because it doesn't matter. You just play what's right for that that point, not what's right for oh, but I didn't work last time. No, it doesn't matter if it didn't work last time. Try it again. Maybe it works this time. And he does that, and he's exactly. one. He did such a great job at turning around so many points, and he was critical to so many different um, tries being scored. He helped set up so many different tries. So he he just, yeah, he's got a crap memory, but good, good. I'm glad he does. But it's crucial when you're on the field, when when you're in the thick of it and you need to work out each play individually, you can't can't be thinking, well, I just tried that play and it failed. You've got to go, no, 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 no. But this situation calls for that play. Whether it works or not is irrelevant. This is the play that we need to run because it has the strongest chance of making it. Yeah. It's absolutely crucial. And you you have very limited time. It's a very different thing when you're watching the game from the sideline or on your television screen to physically being on the field and having to make those split-second decisions. And that's why you have so many plays that are set into your brain that as soon as you see a particular situation, you have to go right out of, out of my mental playbook, which, which play are we going to run with? Mm. We need to run this based on a, B and C let's go. Yeah. It's a, it's a, we all have to be very critical when we watch the sport, but when you are on that field playing, you only have so many things that you can decide in the very limited time you're given. Hmm. So Absolutely. just purely based on that, he's done an excellent job of calculating where they need to go and what they need to do. And obviously the play isn't going to work every time, but the fact that he knows where to take it each time, regardless, that is what, that's what gets them there in the end. Sure. Absolutely. Um, what I love is two of the stats. Uh, I believe I've got these stats correct, where it is the newest New South Wales team since 1981. Yep. And it is the youngest New South Wales team since 1989. Yep. So, wow. And yet they've won game one, out of the blocks, new coach. Well done. Good start. But we saw what was going to happen. So so Brad Fittler hasn't really had a chance of, of doing much coaching. He did coach the Roosters for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, did quite well, actually. Uh Yet, here he is, he's now coaching um, the state side. He did early in the year coach Lebanon in the Rugby League World Cup. And he did an unbelievable job of turning an outside... Or people that no one even considered, no one even thought about them, into mm. an outside chance. With some spectacular wins over some heavy hitters, he shaped a team which had not really anyone, you know, genuinely in with a shot um, into serious contenders. So... That's what that's what got him over the line, I reckon, this time, and he's just done an amazing job with New South Wales. Again, it's only game one, but it but it's it's a good start. It's a good start. That I, I 
And I'm not just saying it because we've just won a game, but I mean it, I almost feel a little bit more confident now than I did with uh, previous coach Laurie Daly. No disrespect to him. We did win a series, one series under him, um, and came very close a couple of other times. But nonetheless, I have a little bit more confidence in it in, in, in uh, Brad Fittler than I do, or I did, Laurie Daly. I don't know why, I just it's just a confidence thing, I think. As in, as in confidence yeah. from the coach, just feels more more believable. It does, and Laurie was great, but it's definitely time for a shake up for us. It, it was time a few years ago, and yeah, it's good to see they've done it. Even Queensland has has gone and um, gone and changed it up a little bit. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I heard the statistic at the at the beginning. They they made the remark that this was the first origin game since 2003 not to feature Thurston and a handful of other Queensland players. Uh, Thurston, Cronk, yep. Cameron Smith, or Billy Slater. Yep, since game two, 2003. That's a long time. What an era. I know. I know. Jeez. I mean, you, you don't want to attribute a team's success down to one or two players, but there's no question. Yeah, there's no question on the impact that a player like Jonathan Thurston's had on the game for so mm. long now. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Even Cameron Smith, just with his calm guidance, that's why he's the Australian captain. Oh yeah, it's just the calm guidance. Smith's um, amazing. But why? Why does? Why do you reckon New South Wales always gets put as favourites going into the game, and then Queensland always uses the underdog tag? How the hell can the team that's won it? What is it? It's like. Since 2006, they've won it all but one year. Because that statistic How is... How the hell? That statistic is not strictly based on New South Wales as a team. It's based on each individual player and what and what their statistic is within their game. It but Origin is different. I, I know, but they don't calculate it based on... And if you if you look at our our game statistics, they don't always reflect the final score. New South Wales actually plays very good origin games. We just don't make the points. Which is, to me, everything. You can't it's, win if you're not getting points. It, it, yeah. It, I, but I, no, just, no, I, I just believe that's ridiculous. I, I don't I agree. see... I, I can't see, unless you get the, the win ratio uh, or the winning margin ratios in check, you can't call a team that is technically not as successful... Yeah the 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 favorites i think that's incorrect statistically i understand that it is based off of the individual players and their club games yeah but origin is completely different game it doesn't matter you just bring the best people that you can to the game however that doesn't necessarily result think about it greg inglis played a really good game tonight Mm. even with that that horrible hit that was oh the penalty because he was so far offside yeah yeah but have a look at GI's stats for the last three years playing for um, playing for the Bunnies. He, he's just yeah. been falling by the wayside with it with every season. Mm. But then That's he comes true. out for Origin and he smashes it out of the park. Mm. Completely different game, different mindset. Yeah. Um, well, actually, actually, on that idea of of picking favorites and everything like that, Ian Thorpe. He, he uh, I saw it on the news today. Yep. Not not specifically about origin so much, but he was talking about sport. He was talking about the Olympics. Ian Thorpe, of course. I'm not going to explain who Ian Thorpe is. You've got to be an idiot if you don't know who that is. Yep. Um, 
Olympic swimmer for Australia. Uh, he he's come out recently just on the release of his book, I believe, um, saying how he doesn't think pundits should be able to suggest who's favourites for a medal um, or or who should go into a, the sport favourite because um, it puts extra pressure on the players or the individual sports athlete. I think that's completely bullshit and stupid and a cop-out and pathetic and if that's what you think if you get stressed out by someone saying that you're the favorite or that you're not the favorite well tough shit don't play it then like are you serious yeah i think that's totally ridiculous i can't believe that ian thorpe said that the fact that he he considers that to be because sport is all about that it's all about win and lose if you and recall, shorts about team late and everything like that but come on he never liked the pressure that was that was built up on him before he'd even entered the water he yeah like it makes sense this is his frame of mind but that doesn't reflect it's not realistic else. no it's not realistic it's not, it's not realistic and and it is such a big part it's not and i don't mean it from the point of view of betting is a big part of it but you've got to have a form guide. You can't just go, oh, we have absolutely no idea about this one. Can you imagine listening to commentary if they go, oh, we don't know, we don't know. We don't know who to look for. It's more, just look at everyone. It's more than that, though. How are you going to get a sponsorship? How are you going to get sponsors? How are you going to track TV viewing? How do you know if, who's going to... Who, how, you know, like, there's always the scheduling. You can't just go, you, oh, they were the fastest in the last one, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do. You have well, to, you can obviously make a form guide based off of that, and that's what it is. But it, a lot of it does come down to money, though, and, and not necessarily betting, but think about it. If you can't sell yourself as a worthy performer, whatever it is, then how do you expect to make anything out of it? Is, is he mm. saying they should all just be playing for pride now? Like, is that... That's because that's ridiculous. That's all well and good, but that's not going to pay your bills. You will no. still need to go have a nine-to-five job, and you're going to have to train as hard as you are to still maintain that personal pride that you've done exceptionally well. If but, you want to make a career out of it, how else are you going to do it? Well, not only that, though, but, but it's... It's such a, a blanket statement and it's such a, a completely shallow statement to make as well because, yeah, because, I mean, let's think about it. So we know, let's take swimming, for example, the fastest swimmers tend to be placed, let's say in the heats, they see what time everyone does and if you're fast enough, you qualify and then you get mm. to the finals. In the final, the people that were the fastest, because you can't just throw names out or pull names out of a hat and go, you're going to start in lane eight, you're going to start in lane two. No, it doesn't work like that. If you're the fastest, you're in the middle. Yep. Because we know that's how it works. Yep. So what he's saying is, though, that based on the fact that you are starting in the middle, we can't make the obvious assumption that you are favorite. Because obviously you are, because you've set the fastest time out of everyone out there. But no, he wants us to just assume now that oh, for just random chance, you are in the middle. Like, what what does he mean? Don't don't make these assumptions. Don't make these predictions. We're making predictions based off of fact that they're the fastest. I'm sorry. People don't just at, people at, don't just pull names out of the hat and go, "You are the favorite because your name was the name that I pulled out of the hat." No, get stuffed. You're you're the favorite because statistically. You have the potential to replicate your time, which was faster than everyone else. Therefore, you are the favorite. I'm sorry, but he, he he lacks credibility here because if you recall 18 years ago, 
both he and Kathy Freeman stepped out into their respective um, their respective competitions wearing those suits mm-hmm. fully aware that they already conquered their times without them and still stepped out with the gimmicky thing that wound up helping them to mm. create world records in their respective sports. Yep. How was that suit paid for? Yeah, sponsors. Yep. You know, no. but let's say, let's say, and let's say Ian Thorpe didn't, he didn't have these sponsors, didn't have that suit. He could have still won, but but at the same yep. time, he might not have. So he he was giving himself the advantage of allowing him to be labelled the favourite, because oh, everyone yeah. wants to get on board with the favourite. No one wants to get on board yeah. with someone that's that isn't a favourite, especially in an individual sport. Let's take uh, tennis as an example now as well. Let's say we're not going to have. You know, we're not going to be labeling who the favorite is for tennis. Well, then how the hell do you know what order to put things in? When are you going to capture the TV audience? Because let's be honest, that's a very big part of it is the TV audience. Yeah. So what you're saying is that, oh, no. So we're going to have Roger Federer play on day one, game one against some absolute nobody and waste his time when the game starts at 10 in the morning on a Monday when no one's there to watch it. That's just a, that's not logical that's not how it's it works depressing is what that is yeah so it's it's just yeah very very short-sighted comments from ian thorpe i don't know why i don't know what he means by it i don't know why he would say something like that i can get it that you can say to say as a matter of fact the stress levels of someone when you're labeled the favorite does get to you a little bit yep no worries sure i absolutely understand that but to turn around and say don't make the statement that you're, that that person is the favourite is really stupid. I don't get it. How is it operated at his aquatic centre in the city? Yeah. Does does he, Do they, does they he have, have that? equal... Is there no middle lane? Do they just leave it empty or... Like... Yeah. Yeah, they don't fill in the, the middle three lanes and they just use the outer lanes. Yeah. I... He has his own pool. How does he operate yeah. it? I... I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how what his thought process is. But you know, I really yeah. like him. But this is a really weird thing. It's mm. uh... very weird. Should we take it away from sport? Yeah, I think we've bored our listeners enough. Those of them that yeah. are not sport people, I know there's a lot of you out there that tune out to our show as soon as oh, we talk we're sport. We're going to hear bitching and moaning about you talk about sport for the whole thing, so I didn't listen to the episode because it was just all about sport. That's all right. It's not. That's all right. We had that about movies for the last two weeks. Uh, absolutely. Guys, tell, this us, tell us what you want us to talk about. We'll talk about that. <laughs> just uh... Yeah, give us topics, crazy people. <laughs> yeah. Sort of complaining all the bloody time. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving right along. Moving right along. Um, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Yes. The painter. Yes. The legend. The calmest voice in the world. The most excitable about painting in the world. Um, the most amazing takes, tree painter ever. <laughs> a tree painter. Just make it, make the noises. Gonna make the noises. Yeah, he always is all about, about his noises. Yep. Um, yeah, he's the most brave tree painter as well. He'll always say, oh, "Do you want to have some fun? Let's be brave here. Come on, be brave with me. Let's paint this." And he just goes ahead and paints the next tree or something like that. <laughs> just a nice, it. a nice pine tree just in here. Get some titanium white. I love the way he says white. Universally adored. Loved, uh, he's loved especially by Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I've been, because I have been working shifts at work, uh, six o'clock to two o'clock, I'm not, uh, I'm not used to getting up that early. No, I'm used to, no, you're not. I mean, to, to go to bed relatively early. Um, yeah, I, I've needed something to put me to sleep because my body clock just goes, nope, too early, not time for bed, and yet I just know I need to go to bed. So I've been trying to find stuff that's as relaxing as possible. I started out with some podcasts, then moved to music. Then I tried to watch uh, some Gordon Ramsay cooking. Uh, I know that a friend of mine watches, oh yeah, watches Gordon Ramsay cooking shows just to try and fall asleep. Not things like Hell's Kitchen or Kitchen Nightmares, just him cooking because it's relaxing watching him cook, and it's true, it is relaxing. However, I decided after I, I recalled seeing, I, I'd watched the Deadpool um, parody of Bob Ross. Oh yes, over the over the, the previous weekend, and I decided I know what I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch some Bob Ross. And it's fantastic. It's on YouTube. It's on Netflix. And I've just been binging on some Bob Ross. In fact, I've got a link open on my computer. And, and I'll probably hit play on the last 10 minutes of it uh, once we've, we've finished recording. Um, because uh, it's just... Just his, calm, his calming voice. He has the calmest, sweetest, nicest voice. And he's just... Everything he does is just... There's no stress... There's no mistakes. What does he say? He says, this is your world. You can do what you want in your world when he's painting. He just he just does what he wants. And he just, yeah, he's so calming. And he's really good at painting, though. I don't think I could ever paint as well as he does, uh, as, well as he does, despite the fact that he's showing us exactly how to do it. Mm. Have you ever had a crack to, at, at following along with Bob Ross, painting along? Not yet. It's on the bucket list, though. I, I do love just watching him that... There's something about it. Just, the alluring calmness of him. It is. Just it's so plastic. Just, just very, very... Everything slows down. You can't help but just slow down to his level whenever you watch it. Um, and ugh, it's fantastic. I just love it so much. And and despite the fact that, yeah, he always does mountains, um, fog, or trees. That's really all he seems to paint, really. Yep. But... Every single time, despite the, despite the fact that I know exactly what's going to be on it, I can't help but watch it and just be mesmerized by it. And again, I drift off to sleep watching it. It's terrific. It's so good. I love it. Mm. It's fantastic. And and I just wanted to mention him because I, 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 I didn't know that he had passed away some years ago. Yes. Um, in fact, I think I was only two when he died. Um, but uh, yeah, just amazing um so it's so nice because i'd never really watched bob ross before i knew who he was and i knew what he was famous for and i knew about his tone and everything like that but it hadn't really launched into my mind when i saw the dead until i'd seen the deadpool parody um and then i was just like since then i've just been yeah a little bit more interested in watching more bob ross he's so good Hmm. Hmm. should definitely i suggest to everyone go and watch Bob Ross. You know who he who he reminds me of? Mm. He reminds me like just in terms of that TV personality teacher thing, he reminds me of Richard Simmons. You know the fitness instructor? <laughs> it's like you've got this iconic TV painter, then over the fitness side of things you got the famous fitness mm. presenter. Yeah. He is. It's 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 the the leader in their their field. 
for presenting. Yeah. Is it not? It's oh, it's excellent though. <laughs> <laughs> Richard bloody Simmons. Richard um, Simmons. I was reading about him. He's currently on what he calls a hiatus. <laughs> really? really? He thinks he's coming back. He's yeah. Um, hang on, I'll, I'll bring it up. I had his page mm. open before. Years active, nineteen sixty-eight to twenty fourteen on hiatus. <laughs> he he can't come back. I mean, I mean, despite the fact that he's a little bit more jumpy, he's got the same sort of afro as what Bob Ross did. Yeah. Um, but. He can't come back. I love, Surely not. I love that there's a little clip of him in Space Jam because the Looney Tunes are watching one of his sweating to the oldies videos to <laughs> to get them in shape while they wait for him, um, for Michael Jordan to get his gear on to train with them. There's just this little clip of him doing steps back and forth. He goes, you're doing it. You're becoming mighty. <laughs> oh, Richard Simmons. <laughs> I just again, here's another one where yeah, just the, the the attitude is just off the charts. He's so committed to what he's doing. Uh, Bob Ross doing it in such a calming way, and Richard Simmons doing it in such an, such an enthusiastic way. The golden age of television presenters, for sure. It was all about the Afro. Yeah. Uh, I was only thinking about it today. I, I, I couldn't get over this. That television has changed so much that um, people don't. People don't gather together in the evening to watch program together anymore. And the the re- no. the reason this jumped into my head today was that I was watching the Jetsons and I was sitting with Marcus watching the Jetsons and I I started reading up a little bit about it just f- for the sake of my own curiosity and sure enough it was when it first came out in the sixties it was a prime time program. It wasn't, really? it wasn't a Saturday morning kids cartoon. It was a primetime television program that would play of the evening. Um, same way the, the Flintstones was as well. That's how the Flintstones started. They were cartoons targeted to adults. It was like The Simpsons. Yeah. Very pointedly, it was, it was targeted to the adults. And when they revived the Jetsons 20 years later in the 80s, when they made seasons two and three of it, they completely changed the tone of the show and the target audience was for children this time. And that's why there's a very there's a very stark contrast between the versions of the show. When you watch season one, you can tell that it's, it's an adult's television show and then you watch seasons two and three and it's very much Saturday morning kids cartoon. What happened to Hanna-Barbera? Uh, well, I think they've just been mishandled for the last couple of decades, but they're trying to get it back on track. They are. What do they do at the moment? Um, well, the last big film that they really attempted was Yogi Bear, which that, that movie is so much hit and miss within one film. There, there is a lot of good and a lot of bad in there, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a new Scooby-Doo movie on its way. Um, there is a- That's why they do Scooby-Doo. There's a pilot that's been ordered for a live-action TV series of The Jetsons to be produced by Robert Zemeckis. Really? Really. But, I thought, but, but part of the fun is the fact that it isn't live-action. Mm, I think it has the potential to be good if they did it, though. There's also, <sighs> there's also apparently a Jetsons movie, an animated movie on the way. Another one. What sort of animated movie? Is it going to be the cartoon or is it going to be 3D? I'm guessing it'll be CG. 
And I hope not. On top of that, we also have former Hanna Barbera animator. You probably know him best for his show called Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane, mm-hmm. who has been actively for the last few years trying to get a new animated series of the Flintstones off the ground. But it keeps gets keeps getting put away. Uh, put away. Oh, Fox keep rejecting it. Yeah. I, I can't understand why you would reject a new prime time they version should, of they the They should Flintstones. go to TBS or something like that. Something like, you know, The same network that runs American Dad in the US. Go to them. Yeah. That'll take it. He's got a first look deal with Fox. He can't He can't leave them. And they won't relinquish the option. So. Well, that's annoying. They're just putting it in, like, hell. Yeah. But, you know, they just... People don't gather around the, around the box at of an evening anymore they've the whole dynamic has changed mm. it is true Which, i mean i, I yeah i, I don't know that, I, yeah no i was gonna say i can pinpoint when i stopped watching tv with the family so much yeah like i know what it was and it was biggest loser biggest losers what did it mm. um just because like i remember it we i used to love watching the biggest loser and we'd all watch it and we'd gather around and you'd have your favorites and there wouldn't be the the internet there to con- kind of conflict with what what um yeah What's going on? However, then the biggest loser started being a bit bullshitty and doing crap things like the crap show that it was. It was an absolute hunk of shit, the biggest loser, because, excuse me, I just burped then. Um, instead of it being about uh, losing weight, which is what it was cool about, it was amazing to see these people shedding so much weight and doing amazing things for their body so quickly, changing their life. Instead, it started to be just bullshit calls like, oh, you didn't lose enough. You get voted out this week. Oh, but don't worry. Because in the last episode of the show, we're going to have a competition. And if you get back into the show, you get to win it. Like, nah, get like, and so the, the person who was favorite for the show from season one got voted out with a week to go because someone that had been knocked out in like the first two weeks had made it all the way through and then got to the end of the show and beat the person, got let back onto the show beat the person that was favorite, they got kicked out, and then they went, the producers went, oh, everyone's not impressed with that. You know what? You can come back again. It's like, well, there's no credibility here. It's just a mess. Like, you're just bullshitting, and it got worse and worse and worse, and in the end, I just went, I can't watch this shit. So I stopped watching that TV show with the family, and in fact, I think it was the first, yeah, it was the first TV show that I, I kind of... Yeah. We used to have those shows that we did watch as a family, um... In some part, Big Brother. In lots of parts, other shows, just on television. But yeah, um, Biggest Loser was one of those shows, and I that's when I finally just stopped. And then it just became more and more disjointed like that. We kind of all just said, not necessarily because of what I did, just because there were shows that then it was like, I don't want to watch the, that because you're watching that instead. The quality definitely yeah. declined. The only, the only one that we hung on Look to... Look at The Simpsons. The Simpsons quality has just dropped through the floor. Yeah, it's got to the point where I've stopped watching it. I, I don't even know if they're still making it. I haven't are, watched the last about four seasons. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I, it's been a good few years, but no, yeah. It, yeah, the quality decline. The only show that we kept that we've pursued that we're still going with is MasterChef, and that's where where a few. I'm disappointed family. that I haven't watched it. Pardon? I'm dis- I'm disappointed that I haven't watched this season because I do love MasterChef. Oh, Every year I go, get on. I to, haven't watched it for the last like three years. Get on to ten. But I'm play. so disappointed. We're we're onto a pretty good season this year, so get on to ten play and play some catch up. I, I think because I've done that for for Australian Survivor, which I missed last year. Survivor is mm. one of those shows that I think we we do somewhat Australian Survivor anyway, not the US one. I have to catch that one up on my own. But uh, 
Australian Survivor is one of those shows. We watched the first season together as a family, pretty much, and that was really cool because it's a great show. Yeah. Um, season two we missed because a lot of us were overseas, myself included, and so I hope, I'm hoping for season three we do get together and watch it again. That'd be good. I think that uh, all Oz, all Aussie Adventures will do that as well when it's finally on TV. Finally, whenever the hell it's going to be on TV, they better hurry um, up because it's just nostalgia. Uh, yes, yeah, so there's shows like that which which we do get together for. A couple of episodes of um, Married at First Sight this year we watched just because it was on TV, and uh, you know my sister watches it, and so we we're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, right. Most of us, most of us bagging it out, but uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, but you're right. There's not there's not as good quality anymore. No, but but this is what it bringing it right back full circle. This is what I loved about Origin that it still yeah. just brings you back together in front. Because it is it's that sort of TV. It's yeah. one of the few few things that I actually. <coughs> my dad doesn't really watch. We don't really watch TV together. It's only really if we if yep. we decide to put a movie on or something. Um. Yep. But it's yeah, it's uh, last week tonight with John Oliver and and State of Origin are like the two things that that I think we watch that are television programs together. Yeah, it's just good. We yeah, I remember growing up, we used to watch Mash on the TV together until we realised that a you could buy the DVDs and b that they were cutting ten minutes out of every episode to cram in more ads. Really, they were editing episodes down. Channel 7 has been editing down episodes of MASH for over 10 years now, and no one said a word about it, so we stopped watching it. We just went and bought all the DVDs, and we just watched, we just put on a disc with dinner, and, you know, we'd watch a couple mm. of episodes, and, yeah. Oh, that was like Red Dwarf. Far better. Um, we, 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 I can't remember why, but for some reason, mum or dad had brought home DVDs of Red Dwarf, and... We'd all never heard of what it was. We didn't know what it was at all. Wow. But we but we fired it up on TV, and, and this is some years ago, but we fired it up on TV and uh, on the DVDs, and we were hooked. We love Red Dwarf so much. Definitely a Red Dwarf family. Yeah. That's cool. Same with The Chasers Won Everything. That was a show that used to, to grab us every week. We'd be stuck watching that. Yeah. Just, oh, there's some winners out there. Oh, but they just don't, they're not around anymore. Yeah. It's not that thing. Mm. It's not the same, but that's okay. Life changes, programming Absolutely. changes, and we are Absolutely. in we are in what what they're calling the golden age or the second golden age of television or whatever it is. Yeah, it's but it's in a completely different way. Yes, yeah. it's, it's that it's the Netflix era, and that's all right. We're getting good programming mm. for sure. Programming that wouldn't otherwise be given a chance just because of there's not the space available for it, which is good. It means people like you and I have a shot at it. Yeah, we need someone to come way down. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, we're we're A grade. We're quality. Yep, we got this. Yeah, exactly. You know what I did? Um, well, you know what I did the other day. Uh, <laughs> I know what you do every day. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I went and saw Saving Private Ryan. Yes, you did in cinemas. Went to the Hayden Hayden Orpheum in North Sydney Ooh. or wherever it is, Manly. Cremorne. I don't know what it is. That's it. That's the one I was trying to remember what it was. Cremorne. Yep. <laughs> and because uh, they do retro screenings, and uh, went and saw it, and that was amazing. I don't you just love movies that you love watching at home that aren't in the cinema or that you never got the chance to see in cinema because you just hadn't 
heard of it or known about it at the time. It's a great and feeling. And then finally, finally you get to watch it. So I've been watching Saving Private Ryan at home for so many years now. And finally got the chance to go and see it on the big screen. And that's with two of my um, schoolmates. And, and they were exactly the same. Loving the movie at home, constantly watching it, but never got the chance to see it on the big screen. And we finally did. And it's, oh, it was so satisfying to watch. And it, it, it almost brought the emotion out of watching it again when you get to watch it on the big screen. Something yep. about the atmosphere again of being within a crowd of people. Something about just the sounds and the vision. It makes you feel so much more immersed in it. When you're at home, you see the screen, the lights aren't off. You kind of you lose the the sense of immersion. But in the cinema, you just you just do. Your brain plays tricks and you knows to get involved in it. And you also get less distracted when you're in a cinema as opposed to if you're at home. Um, so. To watch it in the cinema, hearing every gunshot or just explosion or scream, just, yeah, it, re- it really, really was intense, but really, really cool. Um, and I'm so glad I finally got to see it. The people next to me, though, didn't get to see all of it. So, you know how the movie <laughs> starts off with uh, Omaha Beach uh, and on D-Day? Yep. And just the, the constant mess and disaster that's going on for half the scene i can i can understand just being a bit moved by it or not not just overwhelmed by what was going on but the wife of this couple sitting next to me had to keep well the wife kept leaning forward just head in hands and shaking her head going oh like i can't i can't watch first of all why the hell are you there like come on did you do you not know what this movie is about after all this time did you not think to watch a trailer or something like that before you came along? But anyway, pretty sure they it's were there. in the title as well. <laughs> yeah, like it's a war movie. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But anyway, take uh, couldn't watch it, and then within about, I think it must have been about half an hour of the film being on, they got up and left. Wow. So they left the movie. Husband had to go with the wife and had to leave. The poor and I made husband. The, I, I know. I absolutely. I made. I would have just sent the wife home. Like get in an Uber, see at home, or get in the car. Or I'll drive. I'll get an Uber home later. Yeah. That kind of thing. I made the joke to you as well that probably the wife drags the husband along. This is me being a sexist pig here now. Um, <laughs> the wife wife probably drags the husband along to go and watch the Fifty Shades movie, and when he sits forward and shakes his head and goes, "Oh no, I can't watch this. Uh, it's just it's too hard to watch." The wife probably goes, "Oh, harden up! You have to watch this. God, you're such a such a soft cock. Sit there and watch it like a man, probably. You know. Yet she can't sit there and watch Saving Private Ryan, which is equally as many deaths on screen as uh, Fifty Shades. It's just that the Fifty Shades movies are the death of the actors' careers, whereas um, Saving Private Ryan is the death of the actors on screen. That's really sad, given that." Um given that the two stars of Fifty Shades, that was their breakout role. <laughs> I bet so, you're an idiot if, but you're an idiot if you take those roles expecting that it's going to lead to further success. I think that the smartest person was Charlie Hunnam because he took the role, did the promo photos and everything, and then was like, actually, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm getting out of my contract. I'm going. I'm not playing it. <laughs> not doing it. No thanks. Smartest decision ever. Yeah. Yeah, he he jumped ship, which he should have done long before. He shouldn't have even gotten involved with it in the first place. But good on him for not not going through with it. But you know, smart man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very smart. Oh. Very impressed with him. Um, I think you think. I think that I should suggest right now that if you 
do want us to discuss particular topics, you don't want us to hear, hear us discussing movies, you don't want us to hear us dis- discussing sport, whatever it is, I think that if you want that to happen, either comment on our Facebook page at Kent and the Steering Team, or of course, come on the show, um, leave us a line at Kent and the Steering Team, and we'll get back to you and we'll arrange a time that suits you when we can organize you to get on the show. Indeed. Because um, we'd love to have you on the show. And of course, if you are on the show, you go in with a very, very, very high chance especially if it's your first visit, of winning uh, or being awarded the Sick Kent of the Week. <laughs> and on that... It's your first time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, can't guarantee things for the second ones. And if you're bitter about that, well, okay. Uh, that's fine by us. Um, so, I would like to move us along to that very segment, Sick Kent of the Week. Woo. And I've got absolutely... No idea who should get it. I haven't thought about it at all. Um, I kind of do actually think I know who I... Potentially some that we've already discussed, but I'm just trying to think through my mind now if there was another particular deserving person. Can you think of anyone deserving besides... All I can think of is people who have died this week, which is really depressing. Oh, I know. Because there's more than the one we discussed before the show... Um, yeah, but I wouldn't, I don't, Ugh. Know, I don't know if I'd give it to them. Yeah. I mean, the well, other I mean, one, not the one we discussed. Well, let's, let's just name names. Who, who, Who's, should we just... Okay, the other dead person was, oh, whatever her last <coughs> name is, Cornelia, the former host of The Weakest Link. Ah, of course. Died. It was very Ooh, sad. Oh, this is, this is a massive... That was very sad, oh, though. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but her son put up a picture of her on Instagram, and I could not believe... Do you remember those images of Steve Jobs? Yeah. Um, just before he died, and how gaunt and frail he looked? Yeah, yeah. And how sad it was to see who he was and what he was becoming. Not not embarrassing, just that's what was happening to him, and that's what... And it's an absolute eye-opener as to what... That's what cancer does. It doesn't necessarily kill you because it's cancer it kills you because it just saps your body of anything it needs to survive Mm. um and so again to see cornelia last name can't die uh hang on let me look because i feel bad cor cornelia francis that's it um yeah, to see to see what she looked like just before she went because her son did put up that picture on Instagram, which I wouldn't have. No. I thought that was disrespectful of his mother. But anyway, um, you know, uh, to see what she looked like, it was just, yeah, it was really sad. Yeah. Um, of course, then there was Hugh Dane as well, who uh, played Hank on The Office, one of my favorite TV shows. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, oh, you know. He was terrific on The Office as well. You'll see him more throughout as well, Drew, as you continue to watch. I'm keen. Um, and then, of course, not just, not that he died recently, but that we discussed him. Bob Ross as well. Of course. Oh, do we just split it three ways? Yeah, we could. Yeah. Because, I mean, we make the rules up. Who cares? We do. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I don't want to have to pick... No. I don't want to pick one over the other. All right. So... This week's winner of Sick Kent of the Week, um, we've got Bob Ross, Cornelia Francis, 
and Hugh Dane. You are our winners. Post, uh, what's the word? Post. Posthumous. That. Posthumous. Posthumous winners. Posthumous winners of this uh, title. I don't think that's the first time we've had a posthumous No. Winner. I can't remember who name escapes me, but anyway. I'm, yeah. I'm so, so you three are... Yeah. You three are our winners. Congratulations. Woo. Happy to give that. I have not prepared for you, again, just because of the early starts. Um, oh, sorry, early starts and uh, things like that and being exhausted every night. Not prepared anything to do with on this day in history. All I can say is uh, on this day in history, yesterday, New South Wales won in set of origin game one. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I got. Deal with it. I'm, I'm still having... Otherwise, go to some website. I'm still having a giggle before it. If you, if you're bitter about not winning after coming on the show again, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. No, the, the reason I find it funny is that why is it so important? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of importance just... on a, on the award on our show. Yeah, it's an important award. Yeah, it's again. Yeah. It's becoming very, it's, very critical. It's, it's soon it's going to be rated as highly as the Gold Logie or um, the Best Actor uh, Emmy Award or Golden Globe or Oscar. I've been thinking mm. about it. We need we need to get a trophy made for Sick Kent of the well, Year. Well, I got well, I got my Dundee here from the office. <laughs> yes, that's but what, I will never give that away. I'll buy a new one. But that's what sparked it for me. I, th- I th- when I saw the Dundee episode, I thought, oh my goodness, we need. We need Sick Kent trophies. We, we need a Sick Kent mm. of the Year trophy that we can give out or just have there on the shelf. And then I thought, right, we need to start looking at how much it is to get a trophy made and how much to get it engraved. I'm trying to think about how it would look. But anyway, we'll, we'll consider that during the week. If you'd like to send us uh, 3D renderings of what you think the trophy should look like, just send them to Kent and the steering team on our Facebook page. I think it would, look like, the, them. It would look like the BAFTA. <laughs> 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 yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, okay, I can hear DJ yeah. Quads already. Yeah, there he is. It's a new song this week, of course. You would have heard that intro, and you're hearing it right now as it starts to drown us out. Yep. Um, We'll be back next week, next Thursday, another episode, as always. Thanks for listening and tuning in, having some fun. We hope it wasn't too sports-oriented or movie-oriented and boring for Even you. Even though we know it was. We know it was, but oh, well. Our uh, show. Our show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.